Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. No, 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 no. It's with me, Matt O'Han. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Good Friday evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sick Podcast. The Italian Stallion is out. Enter the Hebrew Hammer. My name is Matt O'Hayan. For those who do not know, thank you for joining us on this Friday evening, the Sick Podcast, brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. It it is an asset-based 3PL provider offering outstanding service at incredible rates. Serving all of North America, Energy Transportation Group offers full-service logistics support and also brought to you by 8.6 Beer Intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. All right, uh, lots and lots and lots to get to. Just as a quick uh, disclaimer here, I'm a little bit under the weather, so you might see me shut off my camera for a couple seconds while our guests are talking, so I could you know wipe away the schnots from my nose, just because it's been a it's been a rough week for the kid. But don't worry, we're here, we're ready to give it our all, and uh, who better to give it our all with then our first guest to talk Habs, Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Stu, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. All things considered, it's uh, it's just a cold. It's just a cold. We'll be all right. I uh, I actually did test uh, test myself for COVID today because uh, I started coughing today. Uh, it turned out negative, so that's good. Uh, so all is well. All in all, no real complaints on my well, you- end. You could be with me in Edmonton where it's about minus 20, but it's a dry cold, as they say out here. Yeah, I'm yes. My hotel room here, which is quite warm. Well, I was I was actually going to bring that up because I saw you tweet out earlier in the day, the weather from Edmonton. And uh, I mean, did you bring extra socks? Uh, what's, uh, what's I, I looked at the weather forecast before, but waiting at the airport for the Uber for about three minutes, I thought my ears were going to fall off. But uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah, a dry cold. I don't care. It's minus 20. It's minus 20. It's friggin' cold. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? I mean, you know, it's funny because we we pretty we have some pretty rough winters here in Montreal, and uh, you know, everyone always says at the beginning of the winter, I turn into a little bit of a hermit because I hate the cold. And whenever it's minus one, you know, people will say to me, "Oh, you know, it's only minus one. It's uh, it's only going to get colder." I go, "I know that doesn't make minus one not cold." Well, um, the older I get, the more I realize why old people go to Florida in the winter. That's all right. That's it. That's it. And whenever I go to Florida to visit the grandparents, I always say I can't wait to be them. Um, so uh, let's let's jump into it because it was uh, a pretty pretty busy week for the Canadians. Uh, not so much on the ice. Only two games uh, this week to this point. Started off with a four nothing loss to San Jose. Jake Allen, of course, was in nets. He got the call again against uh, Calgary last night, where they won two to one, where they really stole that game. And uh, that's that's kind of where I want to start because you know we've been talking a lot about the goaltending tandem, and I, I believe the last time. Uh, 
we had you on on my show was you know we were talking about how Sam Maltebo was coming up Jake Allen was playing okay and you know I I think I feel like since then there's been a bit of a dip in play for Jake Allen uh so I guess my question to you is since you're in and around the locker room uh, why do they uh why are they, why do they keep going with him rather than riding the hot hand well, it's interesting because after the game last night, you know, Jake Allen made 45 saves, stood on his head, first star, won the game for the team. And I said to him, you know, what was it? What did it feel like when Marty St. Louis gave you that vote of confidence there a few days earlier when he said, you're the number one goalie? And he said, I don't read anything in the media. I didn't hear that. I didn't know that. And that's a veteran talking, right? That's a guy who just focuses on what he's doing. And he had struggled for a while. But, you know, people forget that these guys are human beings. He has a newborn at home. I imagine Jake Allen hasn't been sleeping a lot recently. And this road might be perfect timing for him to get away from home, get in a hotel room and get all the sleep he needs. And, you know, he played really well last night. Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe he didn't. It didn't. But one of the reasons the Canadians signed Jake Allen to that extension is because he's a veteran. He's calm. He's cool. He understands the league. He's been a number one. He lost his number one job with the Blues when the Blues went on to win the Stanley Cup. There's nothing that's going to surprise him. And he even said, he said, you know, Sam Montembo was the best goalie in the league for the last that little stretch he had. He had a 953 save percentage, I think it was. But the Canadians, you know, Jake Allen moving forward, they signed him to that two-year extension. Um, at some point, they might want to move him and get something for him. Uh, the more he plays, the better chance you have of getting something good in return or a high draft pick if that's the way they want to go. But Jake Allen is a class human being. Uh, he's a perfect guy on this team uh just that veteran experience that calmness back in the net i think he's good for sam montembeau too i think he takes some pressure off of sam montembeau and montembeau to his credit has played really well this year last year he sucked it up he played through that wrist injury on his blocker hand uh he had told me earlier every time he made a blocker save he didn't know how much it was going to hurt he sucked it up for the team he played through it that's one of the reasons i think they rewarded him with a contract in the offseason but marty st louis it just his community. You know, Jake Allen said his communication with Marty St. Louis is fantastic, and I think all the players say the same thing. Marty's communication skills are are one of the most biggest qualities he brings to this team, along with the instant credibility factor as a Hall of Fame player. So I don't think Sam Montemo took it wrong. If if he did hear Marty say that, uh, Jake Allen said he didn't. But Jake Allen just showed last night again that you know he he he's not a number one goalie who can play 55, 60 games but he still can be the number one guy in this team. And he's a really, really great person to be around. So personally, I was happy to see him play really well last night. Yeah. And, and you know what? I completely agree with you because, you know, I, I, I feel, especially I felt really bad for him uh, against Buffalo last week. You know, he let in those three goals right at the beginning of the game and he looked really, really shaky. Never couldn't really settle in after that. And, you know, the game was pretty much a wash after the first three minutes, even though the Canadians kind of started to mount a comeback. And uh, I think last night was... I mean, it, it had to be right what the doctor ordered, right? It was. I mean, he he, he was fantastic. And you could tell right from the start of the game that he was on. Uh, Carey Price was the same way when he was playing. You could tell Carey Price early in a game when he was on or when he wasn't on. Um, you know, Jake Allen will never be Carey Price. He's the first that will tell you that. But he, he was on last night. And, again, I wonder how much, you know, maybe, maybe it has something to do with sleep. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, I have two kids. They're 23 and 21. I remember what it was like when they were newborns. And you don't sleep a whole, a whole hell of a lot. 
Um, so maybe that had something to do with him. Maybe it didn't. Uh, but, you know, Jake Allen, Marty St. Louis showed his confidence in him. I asked Marty St. Louis after the game, you know, were you smiling behind the bench the way you played? And he says, no. He says, I expected. That's the way Jake Allen can play. Uh, he says, I wasn't smiling. I wasn't surprised. That's why he's our number one guy. I know he can play like that. He had a couple of bad games. He bounced back. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens. Uh, the Canes had a day off today, so we don't know if he's going to start in Edmonton tomorrow. I imagine he will. Um, but we'll find out tomorrow morning when Marty St. Louis speaks with the media at around the 1030 local time uh, here in Edmonton. But I think he'll get another start. So I'm I'm curious because you know we've 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 spoken about how how Sam Montembeau has been playing so well and Jake Allen I mean with with exception of last night uh, you know it's been a little subpar so I mean how, what's the relationship like between those two goaltenders because you said having Jake Allen around is great for Sam Montembeau and I, I agree it makes sense you know a veteran who's been around helping the young guy developing coming up uh, I mean what's their relationship like well. I imagine it's good. I mean, they, you know, Jake Allen is, is – I can't imagine anybody not liking Jake Allen. He's just one of those guys. He's just such a, a humble, nice uh, gentleman. He's just a, a really nice guy to be around. So I'm sure their relationship is good. The thing is, Sam Montembeau, Jake Allen, beyond this contract he signed, doesn't really have a future with the Canadians. I mean, they're going to find a goalie of the future at some point. As I mentioned earlier, I think at some point Kent Hughes is going to try and move him. I don't think Sam Montembeau – has a future as the number one goalie with the Canes, but he might have a future as a backup to whoever they might bring in or draft or develop as a number one goalie. But for Sam Montembeau, it's for him, neither of these guys are, can, I don't think can play 10 games in a row. I mean, Jake Allen, we've seen in the past that the, the more he plays a lot of games in a row, the more his game starts to fall off, the more likely he is to get injured. It's sort of a similar thing with Montembeau. They're both, in, in a perfect world, they'd both be a backup goalie to a carry price. Uh, carry price isn't around, so this is they're dealing with what they have right now. But it's sort of I can see it moving forward. It'll be like a one A and a one B. Uh, by the end of the season, eighty-two games, you can see Jake Allen playing fifty to maybe forty-five to fifty, and Sam Montabo uh, playing the rest. Um, but for Marty Saint Louis, he's never been a goalie, but he's been everything else in the NHL. I mean, he always says that he can relate to every player because, you know, he's he's not been drafted. He's been put on waivers. He wasn't claimed on waivers. He was a fourth liner, a third liner, a second liner, a first liner, an MVP, a Hall of Famer. Uh, but he knows how a locker room works, even though he said last night he rarely goes in the locker room. He leaves the locker room to the players. But he understands how guys think, and he understands how Jake Allen thinks, and he understands how Sam Montebo thinks, even though he wasn't a goalie. But he just he, he, he gets it, right? And that's one of his biggest strengths. He gets what it's like to be an NHL player. Uh, Sean Monaghan said uh, yesterday when I asked him about Marty St. Louis, he says he, know, he understands the day-to-day grind of the NHL. And that's exactly what it is. It's a day-to-day grind. And there's on-ice stuff, there's off-ice stuff. As I mentioned before, Jake Allen's wife gave birth to their, it's their second or third child recently. It, there's a lot of things that go on. People just see these guys on the ice and sometimes forget that they're human beings also. But Marty St. Louis, he's been a player. He's had a family. He, he, he gets it. And I think that's one of his biggest strengths as a coach. And I think that's why the players can relate to him as well as they do. So uh, I'm, I'm happy you brought up, uh, you know, you brought up the on ice versus off ice because, you know, I was I was doing a little digging and, you know, Tony spoke about it. I believe it was on Monday that it was the one year uh, anniversary or close to it, at least, of uh, Bergevin being fired by the Canadians. And. 
you know, I so naturally I took a look at their record at this point last season, and it was six seventeen and two. Uh, right now they are sitting at twelve ten and one. Uh, that's good for eleventh in the East, but two points out of a playoff spot. Uh, so you know we're we're in the beginning of December. We're in the dog days of the season, and I, I guess you know. First, first and foremost, I guess my biggest question is, you know, of, of course, other than their record, what's the big, biggest difference you see on the ice and in the room, you know, from this year to last year? I mean, of course, there's the coaching change, but, you know, from from player morale standpoint, what, what are you seeing? Well, I think the final dagger for Dominic Ducharme last season was when Josh Anderson said, it's not fun coming to the rink anymore. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that quote. And it wasn't. The guys are having fun now. We're waiting outside the locker room last night after the win, and they're playing Tom Petty's I Won't uh, I won't Step Down. I can't forget the day. I won't, I won't back down. Yeah. I won't back down, sorry. And you hear the hooting, hooting. They're hollering. They're screaming. They're celebrating. They're having fun. They're having fun on, on the ice. They're having fun off the ice. I wrote a column earlier today. It's on the Gazette website, HockeyInsideOut.com, about the relationship between uh, Jack Eye and uh, Kovacevic. Two Hamilton boys who were never expected to make the team this season. They're sort of living a dream now. They're just it's a team. They they're they're having fun. They're coming to the rink, they're playing. They're having a coach who just lets them play. Go play. You know, with Slavkovsky, move Slavkovsky up to the second line last night. He's like, play your game. Go, go play. Don't worry about mistakes. We'll correct the mistakes as the, you know, he keeps saying mistakes aren't a problem when they become a trend, they're a problem. So they're they're having fun. And it shows on the ice and it shows off the ice. They seem to be just a really Good group. You know, when Carey Price and Shea Weber were here, and no knock on them, but but they took up a lot of oxygen in the locker room. They were like they they it was their room. Now with Nick Suzuki coming in as a captain, there's just sort of it's 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 more of a, a, a family atmosphere in the locker room. I think these guys really get along well. They really like their coach. Uh, their coach is honest with them. That's what players players want a coach who's gonna be honest with them. Um you know, Josh Anderson talking with him, you know, and playing for uh, John Tortorella. And Marty St. Louis played for John Tortorella. And they both loved the guy because he was honest with them. He's an honest coach. He's playing well, he let you know. And you got lots of ice time. If you weren't playing well, he let them know. Obviously, Marty St. Louis has a different personality and temperament uh, than John Tortorella. He's much more calm. But it's just there's um, they're having fun. And, you know, you mentioned Mark Bergman, the one-year anniversary. And I've said this before probably on your show, and I've written it many times. To me, the downfall of Mark Bergevin is that he made things personal. He couldn't separate the business of hockey from the personal side of hockey. You know, it got ugly with P.K. Subban. It got ugly with Max Pacioretty. It got ugly with Radulov. It got ugly with Markov. It became personal with him. And when you're in a management position in any business, including GM of a hockey team, you can't make things personal. Marty St. Louis doesn't make things personal. Um, Kent Hughes doesn't make things personal. Jeff Gordon doesn't make things personal. It's a business side to hockey. And there's the hockey side. And when Marty St. Louis has to, you know, when he tells, um, you know, Jake Allen, he's the number one goalie. And, and it's it's interesting because the morning skate at the Bell Center uh, before the game against the Sharks, uh, Matabo was doing his stretching and Marty St. Louis skated over and talked to him. And he was talking to him for maybe five minutes. And I said after the morning skate, I asked him, what did you say to him? He said, I just told him, great job. You did a great job. You had earned the right to play two games in a row. You played two games in a row. And you did fantastic. Great job. And, now we're going back. Jake Allen starting. So it's so much. It's just it's, again, it's, it's more of a family atmosphere. It's more of a respect in the room for everybody. Um, 
and we're seeing it. It's going to be fun to watch these guys, especially these young players, as they grow and develop together. There's so many guys in that 20, 21, 22, 23 age group. They're going to grow up together on and off the ice. And it, it, I think it's going to be fun to watch um, for Canadians fans as this team continues to develop moving forward. Uh, there's no panic. Uh, they have a management team, again, that's not going to make things personal. Um, and, and it's night and day. I mean, it's incredible how much of a change it's been in one year from where they were and how ugly things were at the end of the Mark Bergevin era to where they are right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the, the word that piqued my interest, especially, and, and, you know, I, I feel like you, you painted a great picture there for everyone, you know, cause you know, you have the privilege of being in and around the locker room. So, you know, the fans don't really get to see that side. And the word that sparked my, uh, my interest, because I thought of it while reading that column that you, that you wrote was, uh, was brotherhood. And it was kind of like a brotherhood between Kovacevic and Arbor Jacki, the way they were talking about each other in your, in your column. And I feel like that was, uh, kind of a microcosm of the entire group you know they 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 it, it just looks like on the ice they're they're just playing for each other you know there there will be times where you know the something happens on the ice you know a dirty hit something happens and you know it happens behind the play and no one reacts kind of like i feel like that happened last year at some point there was a big there was a there was a dirty hit on someone and, and nobody reacted to it. And, and, you know, it got blown up considering the situation that the Canadians are in, they're losing a million games in a row. And, you know, it, it looks like no one cares where even in that, in like big losses, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the one back in, uh, I think it was in Columbus or maybe it was when Columbus was here. They, 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 they got smacked pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they still showed that, Hey, we're not going to be pushed around until the final buzzer, you know, that, that I just, Hearing that team because I mean again like you put it they they just seem like a family. Well, hockey players, as I mentioned, are they're human beings, and if you work for a company where the atmosphere isn't fun, you don't like your boss, maybe you don't respect your boss, you go into work, you're not having fun. Are you going to work as hard as you would if you're in an atmosphere where you like your boss, where you're you, you like your fellow employees, you're happy to go to work? Of course, you're going to work harder in that environment. It's the yeah. same thing. But to the hockey team, these guys are human beings, and they're they're creating an environment right now where there's a trust in the room, and I think there's a trust in management. You know, I go back to how Mark Bergevin made things personal. You look at how Kent Hughes handled the Jeff Petrie situation compared. Mark Bergevin probably would have blown a gasket, and who knows what would have happened with Petrie. Would have Kent Hughes very calmly said, "We understand. You know, he wants to leave here. We understand his family's not happy here. We're going to try and trade him." Uh, but if we can't trade him, he has a contract and he's going to stay here. And it was just very matter of fact. That's those are the, you know we're going to try and move you, but it's not personal. I under you know Kent Hughes has a family. He understands uh, you know he's not happy here. It's probably best for both parties if we can move him. But we're not just going to move him for the sake of moving him. We're going to try and find the deal. And then you look at the deal they got and they brought in Mike Matheson. It was a good trade. I mean Mike Matheson came in a similar type of player to Jeff Petrie. Some people have been critical of Matheson's performance so far this season, probably forgetting that he missed the whole preseason. He missed a good chunk of the start of the season. It's, it's tough, man, just to come in, get dropped in in game 15 or whatever and play 20 minutes on defense in the NHL and be right there. It's going to take a little while. You need to have a little bit of patience uh, uh, for a guy like Mathis. And he, he has a history behind him. He's a good hockey player. He's a great skater. He's, he's going to be a good defenseman with the Canadians. He's had a couple little rough spots maybe um, so far, but he's going to be good. So it's just a case of handling things like a uh, without emotion, 
and as a smart hockey businessman, and they have smart hockey people in place now. They have three, the three-headed, you know, you have Gordon and Hughes and 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 St. Louis, and they're all friends. They all get along. Um, I've mentioned this before. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, Jeff Gordon just hired all his friends." Well, if I'm running a company and I'm hiring my top people, I'm probably going to hire people that I know and I'm friends with because I know they're not going to be afraid to tell me if they think I'm doing something stupid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you're your best buddy, your best buddy is the first guy who's going to tell you you're an idiot, right? If you do something that he doesn't think is right, you're going to respect his opinion. You'll argue back and forth, and you're still going to be buddies afterwards. And that's sort of the similar situation the Canadians have set up here where there are three guys who are friends. They respect each other. They maybe have some different opinions on guys, and they'll sit around, and they'll make their points one way or the other. At the end of the day, Jeff Gordon's a top guy. He's the top guy and executive vice president of hockey operations. He sort of has the final say or the final advice uh, for Kent Hughes. Um, but it's just, it's, it makes sense the way they're set up right now. It just makes sense. And it's so nice to see things not get personal. I mean, Mark Bergman made things personal with his players. He made things personal with the media. Um, you know, you go to Canadian, you go back to, you know, after the Logan Mayu situation and Jeff Molson held his news conference and they handpicked which reporters they were going to allow to go on the zoom conference and ask questions. It was just, everything was like, it, it was personal. And I've said this before. I mentioned it to you, know, Mark Bergevin, GM, the same way he played. You slash me, I'm going to punch you in the face. That's why. That's one of the reasons he played so many years in the NHL. He was a tough defenseman. You give it to me, I'll give it to you twice as hard. And But that doesn't work in business no matter what company you're running. Well, you, and, and you know what? I'm so happy you brought that up because, you know, like I, I could get into it for a little bit. I mean, whenever – when this was going down, you know, I, I had Mark Bergevin's back up until – I want to say maybe, you know, he brought me back on the on board, you know, after the Stanley Cup run of the COVID year. But I, I, I was kind of, you know, over the, the situation and over him as a GM the year before that. And I, and I always said to my friends, I go, you know, when it came to negotiations, for example, you know, you look at the P.K. Subban negotiation. He ended up getting what? I think it was nine and a half million dollars oh, a year. Jeff Molson had to step in to get that situation Right. Well, so here, but so here, what I'm, what I'm saying is like, you know, you have this guy in Mark Bergevin and, you know, for by all accounts, I I thought, I thought his pro scouting was fantastic. He was a a very good trader, obviously some, some big blips in his, uh, in some moves, but, (laughs) but, you know, it's, it's, he, he made some good deals. And he, but he never made the right deal. And when you're in a contract negotiation, you know, you're, you're, it's Mark Bergevin against, you know, in the case of P.K. Subban, it, you're going against Don Meehan, who's been, you know, negotiating contracts for 30 years. And with with all due respect to Mark Bergevin, what do you have? What You know, what kind of experience do you have? You have experiences, what, what, what was it, 15 years as an NHL defenseman or something like that? Don Meehan at the end came out and won that thing. But well, of course. More than that, talking about the emotions of Mark Bergevin was the negotiations with Andre Markov. Markov mm-hmm. made the mistake of representing himself, and they're two alpha males, Andre Markov and, and Mark Bergevin, and they just collided and butted heads. And instead of Mark Bergevin realizing how important Andre Markov was to this team, their power play hasn't been good since he left. <laughs> you know, yeah. They couldn't get the puck out of their own end after he left. Um, after you know, Andre Markov did not want to leave. He was just looking for basically the same contract he had had before and Mark Bergeron tried to nickel and dime. I'm sort of saying, you know, uh, I'm more of the alpha dog than you are. I think mm-hmm. that's part of what came into it. 
and they lost Andre Markov, and it was it was so unnecessary. Markov should have had an agent, but it, I, he probably went into those negotiations thinking, "Look what I've done for this team." I mean, Andre yeah, Markov—he's been, been, been here forever, so long. I've been here. What he was two games away from a thousand games or something like that. And then when he wanted to come back, he hired Alan Walsh as his agent. He wanted to come back just on a PTO to come back, and Bergeron wouldn't let him. That's making it yeah. personal. That's letting your emotions get the better of you. Because the Canadians would have been a better team at that point if they had brought Andre Markov back. But Mark Bergevin's ego wouldn't allow it. Mark Bergevin's ego led to the contract information for Philip Deneau getting leaked. When Philip Deneau turned down the offer that Bergevin made to him and Bergevin was upset, you know, Deneau didn't leak that information to the media. It came right. from somewhere. And Philip, and it affected Philip Deneau. He was hurt. He was personally hurt. And that's one of the reasons he left Montreal. And, you know, for a team that has such an emphasis on having French-Canadian players, he was the best French-Canadian player they had. And they lost him in large part because of Marc Bergevin making it personal. And, and again, you, you, can't, you can't run a hockey team that way or you can't run any kind of business that way. Yeah, I'm I'm right there. I'm right there with you. And and like you said, they're they, these two in Gordon and Hughes. You know, they they get it, and they're businessmen. They're businessmen first, hockey men close second. You know, they're they're kind of synonymous. And they treat people like human beings. I mean, I go you go back to Max Pacioretty. You know, the the he said he said that yeah he asked to be traded. No, he didn't ask to be traded. I mean, I think what happened is that. Bergeron got so upset at Max Pacioretty one time about whatever, and Max Pacioretty said, well, if you hate me so much, why don't you trade me? Mm -hmm. And somehow that got spun into, oh, he has to be traded. The Canadians didn't want – Mark Bergeron didn't want Max Pacioretty back. That's fine. You can mm -hmm. argue he was a good captain, he was a bad captain. They wanted to move forward. So just say that. Just say, you know, you don't need to say he's a terrible captain if that's what they thought. You just need to say, you know, we're going in another direction – uh, Max Patrick doesn't fit into our plans moving forward. Uh, we're going to look to make the best deal we possibly can. We thank Max Patrick for everything he did in Montreal. Uh, a guy who scored 30 goals every year on a lousy team with no knock on David Dayerne, but he's not a number one centerman on any other team in the NHL. And Max Patrick scored 30 goals year after year after year. He deserved to be treated better. Andre Markov deserved to be treated better. Radulov deserved to be treated better. PK deserved to be treated better. It's fine if a management, like going back to Jeff Petrie, if you want to get rid of a guy or you're going to move a guy, you know, and, and now, you know, you could Sean Monaghan last night and the way he played against the Canadians. Now the big talk's going to be, are they going to move him at the trade deadline, which they probably, right. or are they going to keep him? But whatever Kent Hughes does, he's going to be open and honest with Sean Monaghan and he won't make it personal. He'll be, you know, Sean Monaghan might say, you know, I really want to stay here. And he might say, well, We'd love to have you, but for us moving forward, the best thing for us is going to be if we move you and we can get a first-round pick. It won't be it won't be personal. It'll just be a business decision. And again, whatever business you're running, um, honesty and being open with people and just being, you know, not not you know, you slash me, I'm going to slash you back twice as hard. And and there's a whole new uh, around the Canes, right down to Chantal Maccabee, who deals with us with the media and, and with the players. I mean, it's night and day difference with her getting access to players and, and, and being able to speak to guys and getting the interviews that we were never able to get before. Um, so it's, again, it's the changes that have happened in the last year are quite remarkable. And I've been a critic of just Molson in the past, and especially after the mm -hmm. Logan fiasco fiasco, 
But I'll give Jeff Molson credit because it took a lot of guts to hire a unilingual American from Boston to run the Canadians. He you remember the front page of the journal the next day after they hired oh, Jeff. Man. It was like there were you know, an American running the Canadians. It's a, it's a big disgrace. But Jeff Molson went out and got the best hockey man he felt was available at the time. And ever since then, it's been a trickle-down effect. You know, he came in, Jeff Gordon came in, he said he wanted a modern-day coach. What's a modern-day coach? Marty St. Louis is a modern-day coach. He wanted a GM who was, you know, can't use him. He hired, two, he, had a G, he hired a GM with no experience as a GM and a coach <clears throat> with no experience as a coach, apart from Bantham or Pee Wee or whatever he was coaching his kids. But they're smart guys. And as I mentioned before, he knows them. He knows them. He knows how smart they are. He knows them as friends. He knows them. Uh, they've spoken hockey, these guys, together for years and years and years. And the Canadians now have a competent team running this team moving forward. And it's really been a long time. Like, you know, the game, you know, Serge Savard was like the last gen, really, you know, the, one of the last two Stanley Cups. But it was a different league back then. There wasn't a sal uh, salary cap. There wasn't as many teams. As Molson said, this is it's almost impossible for one guy to handle the, all the GM duties uh, in the NHL today where things go with the salary cap and everything else. And kudos to Jeff Molson. He, he, he stepped away himself. I don't know how much that was his decision or how much after the Mayo fiasco there was pressure on him maybe from other owners uh, in the ownership group, sponsors, to do something different. But whatever the case was, Molson hired Jeff Gorton, stepped back, and everything was a sort of a domino effect since then. Excuse me. And you know, Jeff Gorton came in and he said, we're going to focus on development. We're going to focus on bringing analytics into the game. We're going to modernize the Canadians franchise. And that's exactly what they've done. This is the Canes today are a modern day NHL team. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And you know what? The thing that I love the most, just as we wrap up here, is that you know you, you mentioned uh, you were being critical of uh, Jeff Olson in the past, and, and you know I, I was too, of course. And I, I think what the what struck me the most about him hiring American more than the guts it took was. Okay, he because you know you you always hear noise, and you know I don't really buy into it all that much, but you always hear noise. Oh, he doesn't care. He's just using the Canadians as a cash grab. He's this. He's that. And, and it's and I think hiring Jeff Gordon, and you know then trusting him to hire Kent Hughes, like you said, an American. And, and by all accounts, you know Kent Hughes is born in Montreal. As far as I'm concerned, I was born in Montreal as well. I, I'm just as much Quebecois as Mark as Mark Bergevin is, you know. Mm -hmm. That's just the way I see it. And but I think the I fact that was just with you about that, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, I mean, the, but just, all that to say is that you know he he it really seemed like he changed, you know, because the changed. Yeah, because you know he, he. How many chances did he give Mark Bergevin? And it, and it kind of seemed like he was pretty complicit throughout his entire regime. And then finally, he said, "You know, enough's enough. I need to make a change, and we need to make drastic changes to this team." Well, I think the Logan Mayu situation led to a lot of this stuff. Mm. As I said before, it, more shocking than the fact that Canadians decided to draft Logan Mayu was the fact they had no. Uh, plan in place to handle it's like they didn't expect any backlash from it it's like oh nobody's gonna care and then oh yeah well a lot of people yeah, care. the second it happened twitter kind of blew up 
think that a company, a billion dollar company like the Canadians wouldn't have anticipated and had a damage control plan in place if they were going to go ahead and draft Logan, Logan Mayo is shocking. It's absolutely yeah. shocking that a billion dollar industry would not have anticipated the backlash that would came and they obviously didn't. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, some of the other owner members of the ownership group, some of the major sponsors were like the, that, that took a lot of the shine off the CH and what it stands for, right? The Canes are more than a hockey team, mm-hmm. especially in Montreal and even within the NHL. So I think that sort of started the ball rolling. Um, you know, before that, Jeff Molson, you know, he was president of the team, but for all intents and purposes, he was sort of director of hockey operations. He's the guy that Mark Bergevin went to. What qualifications does Jeff Molson have to be exactly. a hockey app? Zero. He played hockey at LCC, and I think he played somewhere in college. You know, I played high school hockey, and I, I'm not qualified to be a GM of a hockey team. Right. A lot that goes involved with that. You know, Jeff Molson was you know, born into a family. He was, he was fortunate to be born into the family he was born into. But he was not qualified, and that's not no, it's not a knock on him. It's just a fact. He wasn't qualified right. to be a hockey operations guy. Um, and finally, either he realized it or other people around him realized it and pointed it out to him. Because you got to remember, when Rajon Tremblay had a story maybe a year or so before all this happened about how Vinny Danfoos was going to be named Director of Hockey Operations for the Canadians. Right. <clears throat> Jeff Molson called the news conference shortly after that to shoot it down and explain all the reasons why he thought he was qualified to be in that position. So what changed between then and Jeff Gordon coming in? Logan May was one of them. The team sucking right. was another one. And it was time to do something. And again, I'll give Jeff Molson, I've been critical of him. I was just critical of him now, but I'll give him credit that he went out and he hired Jeff Gordon. I've heard from people I trust that Gary Bettman might have had a say in suggesting Jeff Gordon for that mm-hmm. position, which is understandable when Jeff Gordon's track record and the NHL and Gary Bettman, they want the original six teams to be good. It's good for business, right? right? The Leafs are good and the Blackhawks are good and the Bruins are good and the Canadians are good and the Rangers are good. It's good for business. And, you know, when the Canadians aren't good, it's not only it's not, when they're not making the plays, it's not only not good for fans in Montreal, businesses in Montreal, it's not good for the business of the NHL. Um, so Jeff Gordon's come in and it's a very, they're, they're not panicking. They're not, they're ahead of schedule right now, obviously. Right. Uh, 12, I mean, last year was like after 60 games by the time I think they got their 12th win. Um, so they're ahead of schedule, but you know, Marty St. Louis has said many times, he doesn't look at the standings. The standings aren't up in the Canadians locker room. His big line is win the day. We're going to win the day. And every day we're going to try and get a little bit better and a little bit better. Well, if they keep getting a little bit better and better every day, even more than maybe they anticipated, then they're going to be better overall, maybe quicker than people thought. But the vision is, and Jeff Gordon said this right from the day he came in, it's not to be a good team for one year and go on a one-year run. You know, you mentioned a couple of years ago in Bergevin how you you sort of uh, got back. You, you you thought more highly of Bergevin going on that Stanley Cup run. You got to remember game six against the Maple Leafs in overtime. First round, they get outshot 13-2 to and they win the game because Carey right. Price stands on his head. If they lose that game, Mark Bergevin is probably fired after the season – Dominic Ducharme's, but Carey Price, Carey Price carried the Canadians to the Stanley oh, Cup. Sure. And how, how many times can we say Carey Price carried the Canadians? You know? get final that year, but they have a plan in place. They have a solid plan in place. But Jeff Gordon said this also. I had a one-on-one interview with him uh, beginning of the season. He said he doesn't have a timeline for it. Like it's not, you know, it might take 
two years, might take four years. They're letting things play out. We're going to see, like, nobody expected the four rookie defensemen to be as good as they've been this season, right? I mean, Caden Gooley is your number one defenseman in the NHL. He, he is, as I keep saying, I don't believe his birth certificate. There's no way this kid's 20 years old. It's impossible that a 20-year-old kid <clears throat> can be as composed, as strong in puck battles, as on and off the ice, uh, just a, a really admirable kid. Like, to be that at 20 years old is unbelievable. Um so the four rookie defensemen have been better than they probably were anticipated. Uh, Kirby Dock's been better. I mean, they thought they obviously saw something in Kirby Dock when Ken Hughes right. got been better than they probably thought he'd be. Sean Monahan's been better than they probably thought he would be uh, when they first went out and got him. So they've made smart moves, and they're they're that they the moves they've made have been even better than what they probably anticipated. They probably thought Caden Goulet, yeah. Maybe two, three years from now, he can be a number one, number two defenseman. He's there now. You know, mm. like Arbor Jack guy, who nobody even thought he would make the team. You know, Jonathan Kovacevic, uh, they picked him up on waivers because they were desperate after Matheson got hurt. He comes in and he's playing while other guys, Jordan Harris has made a healthy scratch and stuff. Who would have thought that? But we have smart people who make smart decisions. More often than not, those decisions work out. And that's what we're seeing now. More, almost every decision that, they've made has worked including hiring marty st louis as a coach and that's like to me that's the biggest thing in this uh process of moving forward uh is hiring the right coach that modern day coach i mentioned before that they said they needed and for hughes and gorton to be able to you know i remember when they hired marty st louis i was like really this guys going yeah. peewee i mean he was a great player wayne gretzky was a great player he was not a good coach but right uh, you know marty st louis is showing that um, as I've said, if, if he, if coaching in the NHL didn't work out with him, the guy could be a motivational speaker. He's just, he's inspiring. He's intelligent. Uh, the players still talk about that first speech he made when he went to the locker room the day he was named coach and, and how it just started everything, pushed everything in the direction we're seeing them going right now. So um, smart people making smart decisions and we're seeing Quite the results. And whether it's, it's a team or uh, you're selling uh, water, whatever you're selling, whatever business you're in, you have smart people running your business, making smart decisions, your business is probably going to do well. Well, uh, I could say with certainty, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll attest to that because we got smart people in Sammy and Aniello, uh and their whole Indeed. supporting cast running this podcast. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be as successful without them. And it wouldn't be as successful without them getting guests like you. Stu, thank you very much. And do me a favor. Stay warm. <laughs> I will. Or at least try your best. At least try your best. At least we're going to Vancouver and Seattle after this. We'll probably be a little bit warmer. Yeah, I hope so. All right, Stu. Have yourself a fine Friday evening and enjoy the hockey tomorrow. Okay, good night. All right, that was Stu Cowan. You know, that was a great recap of, you know, a comparison between last year of where the Canadians were at to the day to this year. It's just incredible to see the progression. Anyways, we move forward on the SICK podcast, which is brought to you by Playground, which has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else located just over the mercier bridge only minutes away from downtown montreal it is friday and you know what that means tgif thank god it's friday it's also football with matt O'Hare. hooks a pass wide open chase touchdown bengals 
Oh boy, do I have some things to say to our next guest and possibly even Sammy and Aniello. Uh, he's been with us for the past two weeks. I've really enjoyed him, so why not have him a third week in a row, make it a hat trick? It is Cash from Run My Bets. Cash, how are we doing? I'm good, man. I'm super excited to get into these games with you. Uh, this has been probably, uh, it's looking like it's going to be one of my favorite slates I've ever seen, to be honest. Well, I'm very happy you said that because, in my opinion, at least from my my view on the surface, uh, it, it was pretty tough, pretty tough slate to break down. But once you you yeah. know you go into the little nooks and crannies of each game, you can find a nice little value bet on every game. And uh, I mean, for, first and foremost, uh, I just want to know how was how did your Sunday end up being? Um, my my Sunday card wasn't that great. It was okay. I think we broke even. Um, on what, what we gave out on the show, though, it did really, really well. I think the show uh, was five and two or six and two. The show was great. Um, a lot of stuff I said I was going to do on the show, I ended up not doing on Sunday, uh, right. and I regretted it. But it's okay because everyone that watched the show cashed out big. Uh, here's the thing, though, with this week, I've locked in bets way ahead. Uh, everything I'm giving out on the show, ninety percent of it, I'm already bet myself. Right. You know, and I'm happy you said that because there are a couple lines that I'm uh, I'm pretty pissed off that I didn't lock in at the, at the beginning yeah. of the week. And yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, I just want to say before uh, I got to pat myself on the back. One of the most profitable weeks I've ever had betting. You know, I it started off with my Jets, uh, Jets minus four and a half uh, parlayed with the Bengals minus one and a half. That hit won a nice t- uh, won a nice uh, cash out on that. And then my group bet that I gave at the beginning of the World Cup, uh, it was England. Argentina, Brazil, Portugal, and the Netherlands to win their groups. You know, not reinventing the wheel. Just take the favorites. Yeah. You know, I t- slapped a good amount of money on it. Won four hundred dollars off that. Amazing. Uh, and I won a, uh, won a hockey bet. It's crazy. It's a crazy week. And yeah, uh, now this is where I turn to you because I'm scared that the heater is a very pessimistic guy. And you know, once yeah. the heater's been running, it's I kind of think at the back of my head, oh, when's the when's it going to run out? So let, let's kick things off. I, I want to talk about this game first. Not the game of the week, in my opinion, but uh, probably the most interesting game of the week in terms of storyline. And uh, yeah. I mean, it has to be uh, the Houston Texans at home against the Cleveland Browns. This game will be in Houston. Houston are seven point underdogs. Obviously, yeah. the reason why this game is the most intriguing, uh, at least from a storyline perspective is the return of Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. Cash, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I see this line, and listen, I'm not expecting the Texans to win. However, I may sprinkle some on the money line just because of a couple things. One, we don't know how Deshaun Watson is going to look having yeah. taken 700 days off of football. Uh, yeah. And two, frankly, quarterbacking wasn't the problem for Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, the professionals are coming in heavy on the Texans. Uh, I, I can't lay the seven with the Browns because of Deshaun Watson. If I had a free bet, it would be the Browns minus seven. I don't think you need Deshaun Watson really to do anything with this offense. I think the running game goes for itself. I think they're going to put up – I don't know how many points they're going to put up. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop Texans running game. The spread, man, I can't I can't get along with the spread. I can't get on the spread. A lot of people, one thing though that's, that's, that's triggering me a little bit this week is everyone's saying it's a massive revenge game for the Texans because Deshaun Watson left them and he's playing for the Browns now. But here's the thing it's not the same head coach. Two years ago, if you look at the exact same amount of players that are on this Texans roster that were two years ago, there's four players. Um, so 
the ideology is there behind the revenge game, and like a lot of people want to get up for this Deshaun Watson game, and the Texans are going to want to win. But nobody on the roster played with him or knew how he was or any of that stuff. So I think the revenge factor is definitely being a little bit overlooked here. Um, it's really basic what I'm going to do with this game. I'm just going to tie it into a, a tier. I'm going to take the Browns all the way down from seven. I'm going to put them down to one. And we'll go, I'll talk about this later on in the show, but there's a million different teaser options that you can put them with. So uh, I'll definitely be looking to put the Browns in a minus one teaser. I'm not comfortable with laying the points and I'm not comfortable with betting a total when we're talking about a quarterback who I haven't seen throw a football in a professional game in over two years. Yeah, and, and you know, I say I'll, I'll, I'm gonna I, the the money line on the Texans just intrigues me because you know just from a value standpoint, we saw uh, you, this. I, I think we could both agree. While you know, you bring up a great point that only four players were on the roster when Sean Watson was a member of the Texans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but by the same token, you'd have to think that this is the most fans that this uh, this Houston Texans team uh, the the building will pack in yeah you know all, all season so that yeah. place is going to be electric and you know it's going to have a prime feel and I, I found against the Eagles obviously they didn't win that game uh, I'm not, I don't remember if they covered or not but the, but they had some juice in their step in that game and I'm expecting to see that same type of juice yeah it just like the line I mean seven is is not enough for me to want to jump on it, but you know, I might sprinkle, you know, five bucks. Up yeah. Have I can't, I can't blame you, man. I have no super strong opinion on this game. I'm to tell you the truth, man. I'm really excited to watch it. I want to see how the Sean Watson looks. I want to see how the offense looks. I'm super interested by this game. So uh, let's talk about the game of the week. Uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs uh, going on the road to my Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yeah. My Bengals, who, of course, uh, beat the Texans, uh, not the yeah. Texans, the Titans last week. Um, so uh, take that, Sammy and in yellow. And um, so I, I just let, let's start this off because, you know, there's a lot of things about this game and I can make arguments for both sides. But I, I want to start with this clip. Sammy and in yellow, go ahead time tackle like some of the missed tackles explosive plays um a lot of it's going to come down to making the play on the ball you know and they have 88 um higby no it's not it's not higby was with the rams um what's his name it is higgins it's higgins higby and higgins uh-huh they're going to have him back he's a very talented receiver too more of a finesse type of guy um not the best blocker um i'm gonna lock him down you know <laughs> straight up uh so you know, we're going to have to come on the game, like I said, play our best game and go out and do it. So I, I promised Sammy and Yellow I would not make this the Cincinnati Bengals show. But, I mean, how could I not play this clip? This is the most ridiculous clip I've ever seen. So yeah. a couple things here. Uh, one, he says he calls T. Higgins Tyler Higby when, in fact, Tyler Higby plays for the L.A. Rams. And I'm not even sure if he was talking about T. Higgins because our tight end, 88, is Hayden Hurst. And yeah. he's a great blocker. So yeah. I, I'm not really sure what's going on here. I mean, I think it's just unnecessary bulletin board material for the Bengals to counteract that double revenge game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and, and like, listen, uh, I know the, the it's Mahomes catching under three. You know, what more could you ask for? Yeah. However, it, it's there's just so much bulletin board material, and the Bengals, you know, in the playoff game, they draw, you know, they they adjusted at halftime instead of you know rushing four or five, they drop back three, they uh, yeah. they rush three, drop eight, and then you know Mahomes is sent for a ride, doesn't know what to do. So uh, with all that being said, uh, I, I'm 
the fan in me is definitely taking Bengals money line. I have a big, big, you know, two unit, uh, two unit bet on the Bengals on the money line. But then on the other side, you know, I'll see for you. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is 17, five and one as a favorite of three or less. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, I think you're stepping in front of a bit of a train here. Um, a, a lot of the pros are leaning Bengals. I, uh, it's tough, man. For me, it's Kansas City or nobody, simply because of the playoff revenge. Um, it's not right. only playoff revenge, it's playoff revenge, and it's revenge from, I think it was week 14 or 15 that they played uh, the Bengals and they lost. And both games, they had hefty leads and they blew them both. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had his only bad playoff half of the of his entire career against the Bengals, and that's what the Bengals needed to get a win there. Um, both games were looking like we're looking like a blowout, and that's just not how it ended up going. Uh, I think you're going to get a laser-focused Chiefs team. I don't know why the guy said that on the interview. I, asked, I saw Andy Reid ripped him after for that. He wasn't too fond mm-hmm. of that. You never want to give the other team extra motivation for absolutely no reason. But we're looking at one of the strongest angles here, man. We're looking at playoff revenge. And look at Mahomes. Uh, so the, the Chiefs played the Bucks, I think, in Week 5. And that was the first time Mahomes was playing Brady and the Bucks since they lost to them in the Super Bowl. They were laser focused. I think Mahomes was up 20 points and he still right. scored a touchdown and he was still going nuts. Um, you're going to see a locked in Kansas City team. You're going to see a team that has the lead. They're not going to take advantage of it. They're just they're not going to sit on it. They're going to take advantage of the lead. Watch out for Kansas City. I'm going to be on Kansas City this week. I already have a bet on them. It's a smaller bet. It's not a huge bet because I respect a lot of the pros coming in on the Bengals. But I just like Kansas City at this side. I'm not going to overthink it. Mahomes under three points. Give me the best quarterback in the world. No, and you know what? Again, I cannot fault you, and yeah. it, it, it's the same as last week. I like all my friends have been asking me. I cannot, in good conscience, tell you to bet on the Bengals. I cannot do yeah. it. And yeah. the only thing I have at this point is, you know, the Ravens lost last week, which was cre- all credit to you, all credit yeah. to you for the Jacksonville pick. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I was celebrating that game like it was the freaking Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> so game. it was incredible, just incredible. So I mean. The Bengals know they're tied with the um, they're they're tied with the Ravens for the division yeah. lead. Plus, also they're getting a little bit of a boost. I mean, a little bit. They're getting a big boost back in having uh, in having T uh, T Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase back, Jamar and they're ha- and having Joe Mixon back. So that's yeah. a, a massive boost on offense. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. But like you said, I mean, I I can almost guarantee that Andy Reid and his staff. You know, they had they had the Rams last week. They didn't look too sharp. And I have a feeling that's because they, you know, they were studying up on some film yeah. for the Bengals in preparation for this game. So again, I, I can't fault anyone for taking the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes under three points. It's a great, yeah. great bet. Yeah. Just the fan in me has to ride. I mean, they've won me money past three weeks in a row. I mean, I can't yeah. stop now. So uh let, let's talk about the next game. And um, you know, where do you where we go? There are two games that that interest me uh, a lot. From I mean, for different reasons. But uh, which 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 game is intriguing to you? Uh, the 49ers and the Dolphins one. I think that's probably the game of the week. I don't know how you can call the 49ers and the Dolphins the game of the week when there's the Chiefs and the Bengals playing. But uh, I think the 49ers Bengals game is the consensus game. Uh, 49ers Dolphins game is the consensus game of the week. Would you agree with me? Um. I would, you know, the bias in me is saying yeah. no, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's two of the bigger markets in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, how can it not be? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the the forty the 49ers and the Dolphins game really interests me. The Dolphins are on a tear uh, against the spread, against the number they're dominating, against teams they are just blowing teams out. They have two of the best receivers in the whole league. Their quarterback, he's been okay. He's been good. I think he's a little bit overrated. 
on a point spread point of view, he's just right for them because they're covering numbers. They're not being super favored in these games. Um, as far as the 49ers go, you got an elite team. I think you got the best team in the NFL right here. I think you got the future Super Bowl champions. Uh, I'm going to be on the 49ers heavy, and I'm going to take a big stance on them this, this weekend. Uh, it's going to be my most bet game. I've been betting it all throughout the week. I bet it at three and a half. I bet it at four. I'm not going to be touching it at four and a half, but if it hits three and a half, I'm going to be betting it again. It's going to be my biggest bet for all my clients. I want everybody on the Cisco 49ers. Everybody is slamming the Dolphins. I love to see it. These public underdogs never win. The public underdogs against the spread when it's over like an 80% ticket to threshold, they're really, really bad. Look up the stats since 2010. I think they cash less than 45% of the time. Insane. Right. I really like the 49ers. I think their defensive line gets there. They're getting Eric Armstead back. This 49ers team is healthy, and they're really scary. Look out for a San Francisco 49ers blowout. They just played a garbage game against the Saints where they won 13-0, and they covered the spread. I don't think they're going to play two garbage games back-to-back. This is a Super Bowl-caliber team. I think they're going to kill the Dolphins this weekend. Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't want to say it because I have, a fr- I have a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends in the world, who is a Dolphins fan, and yeah. but – and. I, I really – I can't argue against it. This is one of those lines I was really mad at myself. I was kicking myself yeah. at not getting it at three and a half. And yeah. now that it's at four, I'm a little more hesitant, which I'm sure yeah. you can understand. Um, but I, I'm right there with you. You know, it's just – what the Dolphins can't get pressure – and you know they blitz no. a lot. They blitz yeah. a lot, and they can't get pressure. And that's like yeah. the worst case scenario for playing yeah. the San Francisco 49ers offense. So uh, you know, I'm right there with you. And I and I, I mean, who knows? I, I'm interested to see from an NFL fan perspective, not not necessarily a betting perspective, but from yeah. an NFL fan perspective. You know, the Dolphins have been playing horrible teams. You know, yeah. and and rightfully so. Take care of business. That, that's no slout. That's no slight yeah. against them. But those horrible teams. We're putting up big numbers against those def- that defense. So yeah. interested to see what they do against a well-rounded team in the 49ers. Definitely the biggest litmus test for the Dolphins this season. And you yeah. know what? By by all accounts, also for the 49ers. It is. Also it it works 49ers. both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, the next game that I want to talk about, uh, because it's very, very interesting to me, I feel like I didn't see line movement all week. And yeah. Uh, I'm interested to get your take because I have my opinion on it, but uh, the New York Jets traveling to Minnesota as three-point underdogs, I mean, I'm leaning to bet heavy on the Jets. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be one of the bigger uh, pros-Joes games. Recreational bettors are going to take the Vikings in the three. The pros who are moving heavy money, they're going to be betting the Jets and taking the three points. Uh, I strongly, I, I would I would advise you take the Jets in this matchup. I think three yeah, points yeah. is perfect. I think the Jets, when people see this, they're looking at the Jets team of old. This isn't the, like, I think I mentioned this last week, this isn't the team from 2019, from 2020 or last year. Guys, this is a brand new Jets team. This defense is elite. Mike White was moving the ball well. The, the, lock, the locker room's getting behind him. The Viking, this Vikings team is like a five. Literally, like if you look at the stats, guys, they're one, they're probably the luckiest team in the NFL right now, or the second luckiest team behind Washington. Yeah. This Vikings team is is a five and five team. They're a six and five team at best right now. Uh, their record is absurd, and you're getting a little bit of value for it. Here's the thing, though: an eight and two. Uh, what are the Vikings? Nine and two. I think they're nine and two now, right? Something nine, like that. Yeah. A nine and two at home Vikings team like this, where they have maybe the best wide receiver in the league, and they're only laying three at home. That's the market's telling you. The markets are telling you they don't respect the Vikings and they do respect the Jets a lot. Because if they if this game was played in New York, the Jets would be favored. Give me the Jets plus three. It's the right side. If you're going to bet the Vikings, you need a two and a half or else I would not lay it. Stay away from the Vikings. The Vikings are going to be really popular play this week. Do not do it. Bet the Jets big. 
I'm so happy you just said that because uh, that confirms my fifth and final pick that I will be giving out on my side. <laughs> so I hope you prepped your top five. Uh, but but yeah, I'm right there with you. And you know what? The only way I wouldn't have bet the uh, the New York Jets was if Zach Wilson was playing. You know, yeah. that, that was clear. That was just the clincher yeah. for me. If Zach Wilson is not playing this game. They yeah. will be able to move the ball in some capacity against yeah. this Minnesota defense, which is frankly uh, very, very underwhelming, as we said. Um, one of the games that I that I wanted to mention, you know, that you could find the little nooks and crannies, you know, you could find the good bets if you go into those little nooks and crannies, is going to be the I'm, I'm looking at uh, the LA Chargers heading over to Las Vegas that you know a coin flip game at least as the market says because you know the the, the Chargers are the one point underdog in that game yeah. but to me it's not that it's the 49 and a half over under and I'm really leaning under in that one and, and I'll tell you why uh, I don't think Mike Williams is going to go um, Las Vegas just, you know, exploded last week. I don't think we're going to see that twice in a row. Um, And I think the Chargers are going to have a lot of trouble with uh, their offensive line banged up. That's simply why I, and it's a divisional game, divisional game. And, you know, this is, this is a stat I heard about divisional games. Each team is averaging uh, just under 22 points. So it's a 44 point average and that's divisional games. You know, points are hard to come by in the NFL this season, Uh, you know, especially 50 point games. Just give me the under Uh, both these teams are going to play hard, play tough. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got for you. Just give me the under in that game. Yeah. um, As far as the total goes, I'd probably lean over divisional under trends though. Aren't the worst thing in the world. Um, I I don't have a super strong opinion on the, on the over. I do have a really strong opinion on the side. As far as as far as just the total goes, you have two really bad defenses, right? The Chargers are really banged up on defense, and the Raiders this season have been terrible on defense as well. I think that's a little bit of a recipe for the over, but again, no strong opinion there. My my strong opinion on this game is on the side. I really really like the Raiders. Um, the Raiders mm. opened up plus two and a half. They were bet down to two, one and a half. Now the game's a pick. Everybody in the wow. public, all the Joes again, all the recreational betters are going to absolutely love the Chargers. Watch out for this Chargers team, man. The Raiders are severely underrated. Their record is lying. The, rec- the Raiders are the opposite of the Vikings. Their record lies. They're a lot better than their record. They've been super unlucky. Uh, this Raiders team is good. They can run the ball. And here's the thing. Josh Jacobs look like he looks like he's going to play on Sunday. Well, the Chargers can't stop the run right now. And Josh Jacobs has been on absolute fire this year. He's been like everyone is hyping up Devontae Adams and everything that he was going to be for the Raiders. Well, Josh Jacobs has lived up to expectations. This guy's going to run all over the Chargers on Sunday. It's a revenge game. The Chargers season might turn uh, the Raiders season might turn around after this game. They've won two straight against two, I'd say, phony opponents. I don't know. I wouldn't call them phony, but two like subpar opponents. This game matters a lot to both teams. I don't know if the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, but if they want a chance to make the playoffs, they desperately need a win today. This series always goes one and one. They always split games in the series. They did it last year. I think they're going to do it again this year. Give me the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to win double digits. And uh, okay, you know what? I, I'm, I, I'm surprised by that. You know, just be again, it's on the surface. You know, every week I say this to myself and I found myself doing it last week when, you know, I took the Chargers minus, uh, I think it was two and a half or yeah, three. Me too. Uh, against the, 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 uh, the Coyotes. I'm thinking Cardinals. Now. the Cardinals. That's right. Yeah. You know, and just I was so angry. At that yeah. game, because I, and you know, I wasn't even angry with the Chargers. I was more angry with myself, convincing myself 
you know, that, that, yeah. that the Chargers are a good team. You know, yeah. I, I get fooled into it, but, you know, the fact is, no matter who the coach is, we'd be at Anthony Lynn or Brandon Staley or whoever it is, they, they love to lose games. And, you know, if they don't go for two, which is a brilliant move, by the way, whether they made yeah. it or didn't, it was a yeah. brilliant move. Um, you know, it's just I, I can't fool myself into taking the Chargers again. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I'm going to – I might tell you on the Las Vegas bet because it, it's yeah. just – I. I Really, at this point, the Chargers are on my blacklist. I don't want to bet them. I don't want to touch them. I don't yeah. care if they're plus, you know, if they're 20-point underdogs. I'm not going to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. I know they're going to they're gonna find a way to screw it up. Yeah. Um, another another saw, another game that's uh, quite interesting, and if, if it wasn't for last week, I don't think it would be that interesting, but because yeah. ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars pulled off what was just an incredible, incredible win, th- yeah. uh, we got we got to talk about this game yeah. um, before, before we get to the Titans and the uh, Eagles. But yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars are, uh, you know, in a coin flip game, really depends on the sports book you use. Pretty sure on Betway, uh, you know, you're – you're, I think you're looking at the Detroit as the one point favorite. Um, you know, some other some other books have uh, have Detroit as the underdog. Really depends where you're betting. Yeah. I love Detroit at home. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. They are averaging thirty points at home, yeah. and I think they're just going to keep rolling rolling at home. And I and I think they're going to take this game. Yeah, I have a. I'm taking a really strong, uh, strong stance on the Jaguars. This game's really, really yeah, yeah. This game is super split, man. The pros are on both sides of this game. The line movement's been crazy. It opened up Lions minus two, and it went all the way to the Jaguars minus two and a half. Came back down. I think it's going to close. Pickham, Pickham is pretty much where it's at right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Jags are a little bit of a letdown because the Jags did. Uh, just have a crazy game against the Ravens, the win of their season. Trevor Lawrence starting to look good. Their defense is good. I just can't trust the Lions. Uh, they covered. They cut. They beat the Bears and they covered against the Bills. But I can't do it with the Lions. I can't trust them uh, in this spot to to beat a feisty Jaguars team. Give me the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars are still a little bit undervalued. Another thing is too is the Jaguars still control their own destiny because if they they have two right. games left against the Titans and if I don't think it'll happen, but if they somehow do miraculously beat the Titans twice, they'll be in the wild card. They'll be in the uh, they'll win their division and have a playoff game at home. Um, I think the season isn't over yet for the Jaguars. The season's over for the Lions mostly coaching and players trying to play for a contract trying to pay for their next job uh be careful with the lions again it's a, it's it's a bit of a toss-up game and a lot of pros think that i personally really really like the jaguars it's one of my favorite plays this week i will be heavy on the jaguars but i can't fault uh, you for being on the lions at all well well, that, well that's it it's if, you know if this game is the road uh you know we're talking a whole different you know, it's it's completely different for me because Troy yeah. just looks terrible on the road for whatever it is. They get up in front of their own fans. Uh, if anything, I might take a look at the over, which is set, I believe, at fifty-one flat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, so that that's a that's, to me that's a great over spot, especially with that Detroit stat. You know, averaging yeah. thirty points at home. All right, let's talk about because uh, I got a strong feeling about this game, and I'm I'm. You know, I, I feel like talking to you for the past uh, two weeks, including this hit. I, I feel like we're going to be siding on this one, which is uh, Tennessee traveling to Philadelphia plus four and a half. Another one of those lines. I'm pissed at myself that I did not bet on this at five and a half. But here we are. And I, I just I love Tennessee plus four and a half. And I frankly, yeah. I think they're going to win this game. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I fired at them at five and a half. I love Tennessee. It's probably my favorite play of the week. I think they're going to keep this game close. I bet the money line as well. Um, There's one thing with this game though, that scares me a little bit. 
uh, the books don't like giving money for free. And yeah. the Titans look, they look pretty free, man. A five and a half off a loss. You're going to you're giving me probably the better coach team against a team that can't stop the run. Derrick Henry is going to be running all over these Eagles. The line looks fishy, man. The one thing that's given me a little bit of relief when it comes to this, though, is the line has moved down. It's to open six and a half, went to five and a half, and then it went to four and a half. Um, right. I absolutely love the Titans. I love, love, love them. My only thing that scares me is that the books would put out a line like this. That's that, That's kind of them telling me they know something that I don't. Um, cause the way I see this game, man, I have this game at around three. I would not have this game over three. It's at four and a half right now. If I was you guys, I would take the four and a half. I would take it at four. I would take it at three and a half and I would still take it at three. I bet the money line. I just don't see the Titans losing this game. Again, the line is scary. The books might be telling me that they know something that I don't, but I just can't not bet this Titans team at this number. I can't do it. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'm right there with you, you know, because I'll tell you this, um, just based on what I saw last week against, uh, you know, with Tennessee playing the Bengals, the Bengals came in with a game plan and that game plan was we are going to shut down Derrick Henry by all, by all that, by all means possible, any means necessary, we're shutting him down and we're going to force Ryan Tannehill to beat us with his arm. And I feel like that's what's happening here. Uh, that's going to be what's happening because Tennessee, you know, Vrabel's coming in with a great defensive plan. He is a defensive mastermind and he, and what do Tennessee, what Tennessee does well on defense is stop the run. Yeah. What do the Eagles do best? Run the ball. So this seems to me as a gamble more on Jalen, on Jalen Hurts or against Jalen Hurts than it is on the Titans because it's the yeah. same thing. That you know, the, the Titans are coming in, they're gonna say, We're gonna shut down your run game. So Jalen Hurts better be prepared to beat us with his arm. Yeah. So it's gonna be a really a big moment in this season where Jalen Hurts has really come alive and you know he's been you know, build is the, the, you know, he's looking like the MVP front runner right now. Well, this game is going to show us because he, I have a feeling he's going to have to use his arm heavy. And yeah. this is just a nasty uh, Tennessee defense. And they are going to be angry after yeah. last week's loss to the Bengals. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. The, the Titans yeah. are, the, the Titans look too easy, man. That's the one thing that scares me. It's just, they look so easy. Exactly. And you know what? This wouldn't scare me at all if it was early in the season, because early in the season, the books are still adjusting to the teams. You know, surprises happen. But at this point, the books know what they're doing. So I'm right there with you. It it, it scares me a little bit. Um, uh, Last uh, last one I want to talk about before we get to our picks and we wrap this baby up because I'm a little bit under the weather. So uh, just I got to get to bed. Plus, you know, USC is putting me in a really bad mood because they're losing my ten. Yeah, it's just really bad. I have it on in the background. Don't even get me started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't uh, we won't go there. So uh, (laughs) I mean, let's just talk about this game. You know, Denver Broncos going to Baltimore. Baltimore are the last I saw nine and a half uh, point favorites. Um, It's with the state of this Baltimore offense, it's too much for me to touch, but I will, uh, I will likely tease it down to, uh, to, to a two and a half. No problem. Um, But what also interests me is we talked about it last week, these exaggerated numbers on the over unders. And, you know, that's usually the case whenever you see a number in the, higher in the higher end of, on the higher end of the spectrum of the mid 50s yeah but also just any number that starts with a three it, it ra- i raise an eyebrow and i mean the broncos just never go over so why would i not bet the under 39 and a half 
you you should bet the under man the under is tra- these teams trend under um the the ravens offense is struggling i had the under in the jaguars game should have won it was that was a tough beat on the under but luckily yeah. my bigger bet was on the on the jaguars that got there um it's a tricky game i think if you're betting the side Number one, if you're going to tease this, you tease the Ravens, you take the Ravens. And by the way, I think yes. USC just scored a touchdown. Yeah, they <laughs> absolutely did. They absolutely did. I, I needed to hold it together. I yeah. wanted to hold it together. Yeah, um, it's it's a tricky game. And here's the truth about it. I think if you're going to bet the side of this game without teasing it, you're going to take the Broncos plus nine and a half. I think you're buying low on the absolute yeah. lowest point of this Broncos team. They still have an elite defense. And what do you need? I th- I, like, man, I think you need 14 points and you're going to cover this eight and a half or this nine and a half. Um, I think 14 points will get you there for the Broncos. And I think the Broncos, look, their offense sucks. They're absolutely garbage. I think that this Broncos team might be one of the worst teams in the NFL, the worst offense for sure. Um, I'm not going to bet the side. I'm definitely not going to be involved in the side. I'm not interested whatsoever. I would tease the Ravens at two and a half, but I thought I saw this number go to nine and nine and a half. I'm probably going to stay off this game. If I had a free play, it would 100% be on the under, most definitely be on the under. The one thing, and I spoke to you about this with this about Justin Fields, but this kind of scared me. Um, When I told you about Justin Fields, that the regression was going to catch up. I was wrong because that week he went over. Well, it's different. A player prop is is going to be bet like less than half a percent of the time, right? But the totals are bet a lot more heavily. And this is going to be something that's deeply recognized by the betting community that this Broncos team goes under a lot. And I think it's going to be a popular bet. And you can already see, man, the number's 39 and a half. It's going to get low. I even I think it's going to get even lower on game time. That scares me a little bit. But if I had a free bet, it would be the under. Right. And, and it's just the only way... You know, I I just feel like, like you said, this is taking advantage of a Broncos team who's at their lowest point. And just, you know, the way I see it, you know, you got you got those clips of guys yelling at Russ, reports coming out that he's lost the locker room. Frankly, I think Nathaniel Hackett's a freaking idiot for the lack (laughs) of a better term. So, I mean, it's just a massive, massive mismatch on every every measurable you know, metric. And, and yeah. it's just crazy. The only time that the Broncos will stack up is because the defense, and you'd have to think it's because Nathaniel Hackett doesn't get to touch the defense. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing I just, I can't trust the Baltimore Ravens to score points and, you know, Denver stinks. So they just, this game screams under to me, you know, it started off at 38, interestingly enough, Yeah. started off at 38. I noticed that. And then it went all the way up to 39 and a half. Yeah. yeah so, which is telling me even more, just, just yeah. hammer that under hammer the yeah. under and just keep fading the Broncos because frankly the only thing that would make me want to bet them less uh yeah. in this world like you you or I could be starting quarterback for them and I would I would you know still whatever my opinion would be the only t- way they could make they could be worse is if Zach Wilson was starting yeah so uh with that uh we are gonna get to sick picks it's time for sick picks Brought to you by Betway. So we are uh, at the portion of where we were uh, cash and I give our top five plays and uh, brought to you by Betway. So sign up and deposit on Betway. Bet your way if you must be 19 years old, uh, 19 years or older to play. Please play responsibly. My first pick, very, very simple cash. And, you know, we spoke about it near the beginning of the segment, and I'm bringing it back. Just give me T. Higgins. Give me over 65 and a half yards. I don't even yep. have to twice about it. Yep. He is that dude. And, you know, it's going to go back to bracketing Jamar Chase. Yeah. One on one. going to be open. Yeah. I like it. I like That's it. That's all it is. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, mine's going to be pretty easy, man. The 49ers minus. 
Look, I'm going to say four on the show. I'm going to advise you not to bet the four because this will mm-hmm. this number is not going to go any higher than four. I don't think if it's still four, three fifty four. Wait for a three and a half. Three and a half, super underrated number. At three and a half, if you if you score a touchdown and they score a field goal, you're covering your spread. At four, you're not. Right. It's going to be one of my absolute top plays this week, and it'll be my first sick pick. Yeah, so uh, I love it, and um, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that game and yeah. up until kickoff and looking for that three and a half. That's it. That's a, to me, you know, there's two key numbers. There's the two and a half, and then there's the three and a half because yeah. the two and the it's just it's a very key number for me, and uh, I, I don't like bet it. like when a team needs to win five. Uh, it's a weird number. I'm not about that. Uh, my second pick, and I'm imagining you're going to have this in your top five. We spoke about it at length. The Tennessee Titans plus four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can you not? Like I said, anything that scares me about this game is that it seems a bit too free. And usually when that happens, uh, the bookies are, are, are they're, they know something that you don't. They're, they're salivating uh, right now. They're salivating watching yeah. all the money come in. Well, after, after the pot, I'm definitely going to speak to Agnello because he, uh, he's got a good sense of when the Titans are going to win out, right? If they're if they're in a good spot or a bad spot, I'm curious to see what he says. I hope he says they're going to win because he's usually right about his team. But uh, for me, the Titans look the Titans look like the best pick on the board. Yeah. Uh, so uh, your number two pick is also the Titans, I would imagine, yeah. because we spoke yeah. about it. Uh, okay. Let's go to number three. I'm taking I, – I, you validated my decision. I'm taking the Jets – plus three give me yeah. mike white give me that defense and you know just i i really don't like the way kirk cousins has looked you know he's had a few good games put up points against and utah just scored a touchdown uh he put up a few <laughs> points against the patriots um but again i just you know what i'm gonna die on this hill i'm just gonna die on the hill of i don't i think these these vikings are frauds i, I just think they're frauds and yeah. nobody will shake me off that. No win, nothing will shake me off of it. Give me yeah. the Jets plus three. Yeah, I'm 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 here with you as well. It's gonna be one of my top picks. It has to be. If I'm not taking this, I'd have to pick something else. And I, I can't. I really like the Jets plus three, so that's gonna be my third pick as well. Um, one game. Uh, you know what? I, I want to talk about this. Just give me thirty seconds on this because I need to get your opinion on it because I've been hearing yeah. some some things about this game. Uh, been meaning to talk to you about it. It slipped my mind. Okay, Seattle at LA. Uh, yeah. the, the the Rams are plus seven. Um, tempted tempted to take the plus seven for two reasons. One, uh, the Rams have zero and I mean zero incentive to tank. They yeah. uh, they are. They I mean, what it, yeah. exactly? What are they going to be gunning for this hundredth yeah. overall pick? Whatever it yeah. may be. Anyways, uh, the other thing is that this is a divisional game, and I think seattle this is two weeks now they're go- they've gotten exposed um and just you know these are professional athletes yeah. and i i just i i, I don't know it, it just seems like too many points for the rams yeah, yeah it, it is you're on the sharp side for sure i think a lot of the professionals are going to be coming in on the rams and they have been the numbers moved down already this is going to be another massive divide i think the the recreational players are going to be on seattle a lot of the professionals a lot of the smart sharp money is going to be on the rams um, I don't really have a stance in this game. I can't take the Rams. I just can't do it. I, I, it's a right. personal preference. If I had a game, it would be the Rams. But uh, you're, it's it's definitely sharp of you to take the Rams for sure. It's definitely going to be one of the sharper, less looked at games this week. But the Rams are what I would call a sharp place. I mean, that I think is going to cash. I, if I had again, if I had a free pick, it would be the Rams. Rams are nothing. I just I just can't do it. 
Yeah, no, it's just because, you know, these are, these are, this is a divisional game where, you know, it on the surface, you know, the Rams right now are a corpse of a team. Yeah. But yeah. this, this reminds me of, uh, this is the year that the, the Bengals, I think, Joe Burrow got injured. So it was the year that they drafted Jamar Chase. They went, they hosted the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night football. Pittsburgh was, I believe 11 and O or maybe yeah. 11 and one at this point. Yeah. And they just, they killed them. They killed yeah. them. And you know, this it's screaming at me. It's a, it's a stark reminder of that game. So uh, I, I'm not going to put it as part of my top five, but just be aware uh, everyone out there listening to us, uh, the Rams plus seven might be the right play. Okay. My yeah. fourth, pick uh is going to be i spoke about it before and i'm gonna stick with the guns i'm gonna stick with my guns and i'm gonna take the under in the la chargers las vegas game i just think while you know that you know it's two horrible defenses like you said but to me it's just the chargers just look like they move the ball so it, it, every down is just a struggle yeah. for them. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I don't care, you know, what defense they're playing against. They can barely move the ball against the freaking, the freaking Cardinals. So uh, yeah. just, and that was with Mike Williams for at least a half. So, you know, just yeah. give me the under in that game at 49 and a half. If he goes to 50 and a half, that's a definite hammer. Yeah. I, I'll, uh, I'll take the side of that game. I'll take the Raiders on that game. Uh, it's going to be a strong two unit play. It's going to be a big on Sunday. I've already bet it myself. And it will be on the card Sunday, 100%. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my last one will be, uh, we spoke about it. I don't think I counted it in my. Uh, let's go, let's my go head to head. But let's, uh, oh, you want to, okay. So you know what? I'm going to take, uh, what, you know what? Let's do this. How about this? We're both going to yeah. give our final pick and yeah. then we're going to pick a game and we're going to each pick a side and we'll go head to head on that. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. So let's uh, my for my final pick of my top five. I'm going to go uh, Denver Broncos at Baltimore Ravens under 39 and a half. I just you know the Broncos cannot score points. The Ravens, by all accounts, uh, scoring points is a struggle for them uh, yeah. for the most part. So just give me the under. Yeah, uh, I'll take the Giants plus two and a half. I think uh, the Commanders are a little bit overbought. Uh, the, this line being at two and a half while the Giants are at home, that tells me what the, the commanders would be a five point or a six point favorite at home. I don't buy it. Uh, give me the Giants plus two and a half. You can get a teaser all the way to up, up to eight and a half as well. That's a sharp look at this game out, right? All right. So I think for our head to head game, we spoke about at the uh, not just off the hop, but it was the second game we spoke about. I yeah. think it would be quite appropriate for us to go head to head on Kansas City uh, at the Cincinnati Bengals. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it on my own. You know, I have I have that placed right now. I actually, you know what? I actually just cashed it out in case I think that more sharp money is going to see Patrick Mahomes under three points, and yeah. it's just going to start flowing in. It's going to start yeah. flowing in. <laughs> so I just I just cashed yeah. it out so I could get a better number on the Bengals. But I'm going to take the Bengals money line for our head to head. Amazing, man! Let's do it. Yeah, I really like the Chiefs. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game. You know, you have Joe Burrow uh, taking on Patrick Mahomes. Just, yeah. you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it. This is, you know, yeah. it could be. It could be. I'm not I'm not prepared to cl- to crown it just yet. But this could be Brady versus Manning 2.0. So, yeah, folks, be. everyone out there, just enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Cash, uh, just before I let you go, just uh, tell everyone, give everyone just a quick reminder of where we can find your stuff. Yeah, you guys can shoot me a Instagram at Run My Bets. You can find me on Twitter 
in my bets. I don't use Twitter as much though, so you might have to wait a little bit longer for me to respond. Check my Instagram though, I respond instantly. I have a free play chat in my in my Instagram bio as well. If you don't see it, just shoot me a message and I'll add it to you. I post free plays every day. Uh, shoot me a message, say hello, all that kind of stuff. Find me on Instagram. All right, Cash, thank you very much. Thank we you, will man. Talk, uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking in the very near future, uh, <laughs> if not if not next week. So uh, yeah. enjoy the football on Sunday, and uh, by all you accounts, too, man. I, mean, I, I mean, I guess go USC. Yeah. <laughs> for whatever chance we have left here, which is yeah. basically none. Yeah, all right, Cash, have a good night. All right, it's that time. Uh, just before we wrap up, it's time to go for gold. Go for gold. A daily World Cup report. Keeps it Presented by Bijou Dream Bossy. All right, so it was a crazy final day of group play in the World Cup. Yesterday was absolute madness in group, I think it was, hold on, let me just get it in front of me, in group E, that's right, with Japan taking top spot. For a second, it looked like Costa Rica was going to was gonna squeak in, but of course, uh, we all know what happened after that. So what happened today? Madness. Okay, so let me take you back to, I believe it was 2010, Uruguay playing Ghana. This game is in, uh, this is in the knockout phases. You know, the game goes to extra time and Ghana has a sure goal, but wait, uh, Luis Suarez bats it off the goal line, handball, red card, and then penalty to Ghana. Miss the penalty. Game goes to penalties. Uruguay comes back with a win. This was the grudge match. This is it. Revenge game. You know, it's 12 years later, Ghana is still thinking about this. Well, they got revenge, but not in the way they wanted. They lost 2-0. Now, why is that significant? Because Korea Republic beat Portugal 2-1. So, with that result, they were even on goal differential. What does that mean? What's the next tiebreaker? Card differential that's right uruguay had seven minutes after the uh portugal and korea game ended to score one more goal they could not they lose ghana gets revenge but unfortunately for ghana they do not move on another crazy game today switzerland against serbia now what happened in this one okay so switzerland in the 20th minute comes out early lead Bang. And what does Serbia do? Six minutes later, Mitrovic scores a goal of his own. Then what happens after that? Dusan Vlahovic, one of the young up-and-comers in the world, scores. But wait, that was in the 35th minute. But wait, just before halftime, Mbolo at the 44th minute ties it up 2-2. Very exciting half. And then uh, Switzerland kind of took over in the second half, scored an early goal, kind of locked it down after that. And then Cameroon pulling off. I mean, it was kind of, you know, didn't really matter in the end for uh, for the group standings. But uh, Ghana, pull, uh, Ghana, Cameroon pulling off the upset against Brazil. But by all accounts, they were resting. I think it was nine out of their 11 starters. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, group sa- the group stages are... Are done the knockout stage begins and it begins tomorrow uh pull up the, uh, the graphic if we have it tomorrow's games there you see them 
the one in the morning, USA taking on the Netherlands. And then in the afternoon, you have Argentina taking on Australia. Now, I love, I love, love the Australia story. It's fantastic. I was cheering for them. I was mad at myself that I didn't want, that I didn't bet them to move on and win in that game that qualified, that sent them into the qualifier. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, this is where they come crashing back down to earth. To earth, they're p- facing a crazy team in Argentina. Uh, don't think they're going to win the whole tournament, but they'll certainly end the Cinderella story against uh, against of uh, of Australia and you know send them home down under. And uh, you know, you want to you want to look value. You know, take a look at the line on the United States and Netherlands. Now, do I think the United States are going to win this game in regular time? No. Goes to extra time. I think it's possible. You know, they have a pretty stout defense. Does the U.S. Uh, you know, Netherlands? They look like a pretty team when they want. Tough game. I think it's pretty evenly matched. But with the value that's placed on the U.S., I think I would lean if I was betting on the game towards that. And then uh, Sunday, you know, those two games on Sunday. I'm just going to talk about them just for a little bit. Sorry, Aniello and Sammy. I'm making you work overtime tonight, same as last week. Listen, it is what it is. You, you're the you're the guys who hired me. Uh, England taking on Senegal, France taking on Poland. If those games go the way we they should go, and the way I want them to go, frankly, uh, I mean, you know, be it uh, meaning England moving on against Senegal, uh, because I am an England fan, then we get a fantastic second round matchup of uh, a quarterfinal matchup, I should say, of. England taking on France. So that would be a thing. Again, so tomorrow's games, Netherlands taking on the USA at 10 a.m. And then at 2 p.m., Argentina taking on Australia. For gold, by the way, is brought to you by Bijou Tree Bassi. Thank you for listening. Good luck with your bets on Sunday if you're telling if you're tailing either Cash or I. And Tony will be back on Monday. Thank you for listening. Peace. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.